This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. But hallelujah, man. What a good night to be in the house of God. Who's glad that they're in the house of God tonight? Amen. Man, there's a whole lot of places you could be, but you chose to be amongst God's people and in God's house, and you made a good decision. Well, I'm excited about the word that we have uh, tonight because it's something that, it, you know, the Lord spoke to me. And I believe that it's something that is going to hit everybody here tonight, uh, just close to home. It's something for you. But the title tonight is this, I want my stuff back. I want, <laughs> I want my stuff back. Because I'm telling you right now, all of us in here at one point or another, we've been robbed. And you're like, well, I don't know. I've never been robbed. Well, maybe not. You haven't been robbed at gunpoint or by a burglar breaking in. But someone or something has come in and taken things out of your life that God gave you. Things that you need. And I'm talking about there's an enemy out there that's trying to get things from you that your heavenly father wants for you to have. Now, this could be anything. This could be, you know, obviously material things. That's those have been stolen from you, maybe. But I'm also talking about deeper things. Maybe there's relationships that have been stolen away from you and have been damaged by the enemy. Maybe there's maybe you've lost ground spiritually. No, you don't don't raise your hand if that's you, but I'm saying maybe you've lost some ground spiritually. You've let the devil come in and steal some things and take some ground away that you've earned in your Christian walk and in your faith. But I'm telling you tonight, whatever the case is, whatever, I want my stuff back and I'm going to get it. I say it's time for some revenge. Is anybody with me tonight? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to look over a few things here, get some verses for us. And I really believe that tonight's a night for you to wake up because I have found that, unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians. They've just been sleeping and they don't even realize that spiritually they don't they're not paying any attention at all. And the enemy's coming right in the back door of their life. And, oh, I'll take this. I want that. I'll take this. And, and it's almost like they're not doing anything about it because they don't even realize they're being stolen from until it's too late. Then they wake up someday and say, oh, my gosh, wow, what happened to my kids? They, they don't even, well, wow, well, this is a mess. They don't even realize that they got stolen from. Now, I'll, I'll tattle on myself a little bit. I'm not the most security-minded individual in the world. I'm not Paul Blart, the mall cop. You know, he, he's always looking out for uh, stuff going on. And, uh, and so don't be like me. Uh, so one day a couple years ago, I get home from dropping my daughter off at preschool, and I, I see a young man sitting on the rock in my front yard. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? Can I get you a water or anything? You want to just, you, are you cool? You want to, you want to come inside, hang out? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm too nice of a guy sometimes. And he's like, oh, no, I'm waiting on a ride. I'm cool. And I'm like, okay, you just take your time. You know, if you need anything, knock on the door. I'm in here. And so a few minutes later, I hear someone beating on my door screaming, and it's my next door neighbor's elderly mom. And she's like, oh, my gosh, they just broke into the house next door. And I'm, did you see anybody? I'm like, oh, boy, wow, did I see anybody? Uh, well, uh, and so anyway, apparently the guy on my rock was the lookout, and his buddies were inside robbing my next door neighbor, and here I am getting him waters and cookies and inviting him in. And anyway, uh, so, yeah, they, they, they robbed my neighbor's house, and I kind of assisted in that, but I felt really bad. 
And so we've made amends. Actually, they, they caught the guy that was on my rock. I was able to identify him to the police. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 they were getting robbed, and I was too dense to even realize it. I almost gave the enemy a hand. You know, and then one night I was, you know, I help out at the Barstow Christian School. I'm rolling up there one night, and Miss Katie Brady here is the teacher there. And I don't know, I see a bunch of young men just, I don't know, they got a crowbar getting into her window. <laughs> like, Hey guys, what's up? And they just take off running. And I'm like, wow, those guys, what was wrong with them? And of course it's a fence. They shouldn't have been there anyway. So I just go about my business and I'm like, well, maybe I ought to tell the principal. And so I, you know, I tell the principal that, you know, 10, 15 minutes later. And then she's like, well, at least call the police. I, I called the police and then five minutes later, the police call me back. We've got the guys. We need you to come identify them. I'm like, whoa. How does this keep happening to me? But anyway, I didn't offer these guys any snacks or cookies or anything. But at the same time, I didn't really, I mean, you know, I don't know. that I, I was just going to ask how they were doing while they were breaking into someone's window. So don't be like me. When it comes to some of these things, I'm just, I don't know, I, 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 I'm too trusting or whatever the case is. But a lot of us, that may sound silly and like, how could you be so so dense and not realize that there's a robbery going on? Well, okay, my bad. My bad. But some of us, the devil's come right up to your front door and knocking and you're saying, all right, come in and take whatever you want. I just 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 don't hurt me. And the devil's coming in and he's stealing your lunch. He's stealing your money. He's stealing your kids. He's stealing your health. He's stealing your peace. And he's bringing in anxiety and depression and all sorts of things. And you're just letting him do it. And sometimes you're like, oh, I don't even know what's going on in my life right now. I'll tell you what's going on. You're under a full-scale attack from the enemy. And you don't even realize it. And so we're going to look at a few things here tonight. And if you're somebody here that you have had something stolen from you, whether it be your peace, whether the devil stole your joy, whether he, whatever he stole from you, tonight's the night to say, I want my stuff back and I'm going to come get it. And you're not going to do anything about it. Amen. And so tonight is your night. So let's open in prayer. Then we're going to tackle a few things here and watch what God has to say. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, that we have a church that we can come and worship you in. And Lord, we say tonight, we declare that you are good. And Lord, you are Lord. Jesus is Lord over our lives, Lord. And we say that you can have your way in here tonight. We invite you in, Jesus. And we ask you to show us what we need to see and change us, Lord. Bring us up to that level that we need to be at so we can walk in your fullness. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So the first thing you got to do if you're going to go get your stuff back, you need to identify the thief. You need to realize who it is that stole from you. Because some people, they don't, they don't even know at all. They're like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe God did this to me. I, maybe it was this guy over here. And if you think that God is the source of your trouble and not the answer to your trouble, you're a long way off from getting your stuff back. You're, if you're blaming the one that wants to help you, maybe, well, maybe God caused this. You know, sometimes he, he works in funny ways. He doesn't work in that way. John 10.10, 10, you can throw that up there. And every, I mean, if you've been at this church very long, you know John 10.10. Who knows John 10.10? And you could quote that to me. John 10.10 says, The thief comes, but for to steal and kill and to destroy. But I have come. Jesus said, I have come to give them life and give it more abundantly. Who wants them abundant life? 
That means you're provided for. That means the New Living Translation says that's a rich and satisfying life. But Jesus himself said right here, the thief is the one that comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so if in my life there's stealing, killing and destroying going on, I can instantly eliminate God as being the one doing it. Because Jesus said that's what the devil does. Now, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so if there's abundant life, if there's a rich and satisfying life being poured into me, I can eliminate Satan as being the source of that right away. Because Jesus said, I'm the one that comes to give life and life more abundantly. The thief, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. And if uh, you've got to know the difference between the two, because if you think that Jesus is the one stealing your marriage, if you think that Jesus is the one bringing sickness into your life, if you think Jesus is the one that's causing things to go crazy in your life to teach you something, you're on the wrong track. That's the enemy. You need to identify the thief. I was reading, I I don't know, I was looking up some articles here, and I saw this is kind of, it's interesting. In 2008, there was this, this guy that he wanted to rob the Bank of America in his town. I forget what state this is in, but so he comes up with a great plan. It's actually quite brilliant. He put an ad on Craigslist advertising for a construction job. And he said, okay, any, if you're interested, meet me in the parking lot of the Bank of America at this time on this date. Come in a construction vest and hard hat and be ready to work because I'm going to put you right to work. And so dozens of guys show up all wearing the exact same thing. Construction vest and hard hat. He's wearing it too, except he goes into the bank and robs the bank and comes back out and gets mixed in the crowd and then takes off. And so the plea, and everyone's like, can you identify the suspect? Yeah, he was wearing a, a construction vest and a hard hat. And they go out, and there's dozens of people wearing the exact same thing. Nobody knew which guy it was. And by that time, the real thief had taken off. And I'm telling you, sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. Who, who was it? Who, who's stealing from me? Because we're so confused. And the enemy, the devil, is a mastermind of bringing in chaos and confusion. And to where you're like, I don't even know. who I, It was one of these guys, but you don't even know. You need to be able to identify the thief that's coming into your life and taking things from you. And so I want to show you something here in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look over there. Ephesians chapter 6. Who's ready to get their stuff back tonight? Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look here at verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 6. We're going to look here at verses 11 and 12. Now, what we're talking about right here is identifying the thief. So I can tell you that it's not God that's coming and stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. If any of those things are happening, it's not Jesus. It's the enemy. But let's look here at Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. And this is, of course, a great passage talking about the armor of God, spiritual warfare. We studied this back, I think, in October and November uh, we did a whole series called Call of Duty, Spiritual Warfare, and we really studied this out. So if you wanted to look at that, it's on the podcast. But let's look here at Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12. It says, 
put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. It tells you right there to put on all of God's armor. And if you read the, the, the next verses here, you'll see what, the, what the, all the armor of God is. But I think that there's a lot of soldiers in God's army that they only put on half of the armor. Or maybe they only put on one piece of it and they are not prepared for battle. Some part of them is exposed to the enemy's attack. Maybe they put on the helmet of salvation. They're good there. But they didn't put on the breastplate of righteousness or, or the belt of truth. And they may be protected up here, but there's parts of them that are totally wide open to an attack from the enemy. And I'm asking you tonight, is there some area of your life spiritually that you've just left wide open to an attack from the enemy? Well, I'm, I'm good over here, man. I covered this. I, 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 I do this all right. But study this out. Is there an area that you've just left wide open to an attack from the enemy? It tells you to put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against the strategy of the devil. Why is that? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Well, that sounds kind of sci-fi. No, man, that's Bible. That's the real thing. There's an unseen world, and, and it's okay if you don't believe in it. That's fine. It still exists. Well, I don't believe in the devil. That's fine. He still exists. Whether you believe in him or not, he's real. And he wants to come and steal your lunch and pop the bag in your face and scare you and make you cry. Right? So it would be in your best interest to identify and start believing and doing something about it instead of living in denial and saying, oh, there's nothing going on. I don't know, man. It's just, listen, wake up. Wake up. It says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Well, as we're looking at this, verse 11 right there tells us that the enemy has strategies. Not just one, he doesn't only have one play in his playbook, right? If I'm playing football or basketball, and I know the only team only has one play that they run, that's going to be pretty easy to defend eventually. I'm like, oh, every single time they're going this way, I'll just stand over there and be ready. But the devil's not like that. He has strategies. He has different methods, different tricks. The King James Version says, the wiles of the devil. He has different strategies and tricks and he'll try to come in. Oh, well, they're not falling for this anymore. I'll just come in here and I'll make them think that this is their trouble. Or I'll come in this way and I'll get them to fight with each other. Or I'll come in this way. And he he has different ways, man. They're all defendable. Every single one of them can be dealt with. But if you're just going to sit there and play dead, if you're just going to sit there and say, well, I don't know what's going on, man. I I think God did this to me or 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 even even dumber than that. This next verse, verse 12 says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? Your fight is against people. And that right there is where the devil succeeds most of the time. He gets you to think that other people are the problem every single time. And obviously, there's a lot of people in this world that are not living submitted to God. Have you ever run into one of those? They're everywhere. Okay, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people in this world that they're not just bowing down at the altar and worshiping Jesus. Their life is not submitted to God. 
It's very easy for the enemy to use somebody like that to come in, maybe your coworker, maybe, you know, your neighbor, whatever the case is. It's very easy for the enemy to come in and use somebody like that and for you to get so mad and so angry and just so spiteful and revengeful or, or, or maybe so hurt, maybe so offended. Maybe so withdrawn, like, well, I don't even want to go into that place. I'm, I'm going to quit my job because nobody, I, I just can't take them anymore. And God gave you that job. Now you're going to quit because somebody hurts your feelings. Now, I understand there's different scenarios, but you're going to let the devil come in and steal the job that God gave to you. I want my stuff back. You're not taking my job. If God gave that to me, that's mine. And I'm not going to let the devil work through some punk to run me off from my job and providing for my family, right? Come on. And so that's one strategy of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And so if the devil can get you to not think that he's the real enemy, but that other people are the enemy, you spend all your time fighting. You're fighting the wrong person. And he's got, he's loading. He pulled the U-Haul up to the back door, put the ramp down. He's got the dolly and he's stealing all the stuff out your back door right there. And you're over here fighting with some dude. Or maybe you're fighting with your wife or maybe you're fighting with your husband or you're mad at the kids and the kids are mad at you. And the devil's just he's stealing everything right out the back door. And you don't even realize it because he put up a smoke screen. He caused you to think that somebody else was the one that was the source of your problems. You are never going to recover your goods and your assets if you cannot identify who the enemy is. John 10.10 tells us it's not God. And right here in Ephesians 6, it tells us that it's, it's not flesh and blood that you're fighting against. Who's the enemy? Satan. He comes to steal and kill and destroy So do we need to be afraid of that? No. Are you afraid of the devil? Are you kidding me? I'm afraid of the devil. Why? Because I've got the name of Jesus and I'm allowed to use it. Jesus said, in my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name. And Luke chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, he says, I've given you authority over all the works of the devil. Why would I be afraid of somebody that I've got authority over all their works, according to the name of Jesus? The only way that you would be afraid of that is if you were ignorant of the authority that you have. You need to realize who you are in Christ. You're not just some little punk. You're not just some, some know nothing, some no good for it. Well, this guy's made a mistake. Well, that's under the blood of Jesus. That's the past. We're talking about the new guy here, right? Is there any new creatures in Christ in this room tonight? Man, maybe, maybe the old you did some things they shouldn't have done. That's the old you. This is the new you. The old guy's dead and buried. The other one's been raised with Christ. Amen. And so forget about that. Jesus forgot about it if you repented and if you said you were sorry and you need to forgive yourself and you need to get over it too and you need to move on. And until you can start seeing who Christ sees, you're not going to get your stuff back. You are not a loser. Do you realize that? You're not some loser. You're not some little punk. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you, man. You're the real deal. You're you're the real deal. Why? It's not because you're so cool. It's because Jesus Christ 
is on the inside of you. Amen? He's on the inside of you, and he said, listen to this. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're somebody, and you need to recognize that. And so, if you want to get your stuff back, you're going to have to, number one, identify the thief. Number two, you just need to go and actually get your stuff back. I I read this story about this 18-year-old in Chicago. This old lady got off the bus, and he comes and swipes her purse and takes off running. She took off running after him. An old lady chased him a mile down through the streets of Chicago, cornered him in an alley, and grabbed her purse and said, You listen here. The Bible says this is wrong, and you're going to hear about it. And she gave this young 18-year-old a Bible lesson on stealing. He said, All right, take your purse. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. Forgive. Just leave me alone. And he gave it back. Now listen to me. What if we had the same guts to chase the enemy down when he just comes by, he does a, he does a run by and grabs your stuff and takes off running. And most of us just sit there. Oh man, I really liked that. I wanted that. I, oh, jeez, this is the worst, man. This is bad. You're just going to sit there and do that. Or are you going to have as much sense as this old lady and take off running and chase the enemy down and get your stuff back? Don't just be there and be an easy target. You need to get your stuff back. First Samuel chapter 30. Let's look at a story of King David. Now, David was not about to let somebody come in and take his stuff and get away with it. So first Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to look at verses one through six here. And here's a story of David, of course, leading a group of men. Well, they went out and, and they were out taking care of business somewhere. And the enemy comes in and raids their camp. So let's look at this. First Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to look here at verses 1 through 6. First Samuel 30. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Now check this out. It says this. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. Whoa. They, they came and they raided their village. They raided their area and they burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. So the wives are kidnapped, the children are kidnapped, and all their stuff is gone. And the houses are burned to the ground. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families... They wept until they could weep no more. They, I, let's just get real. That would, that would rain on your day right there. You could have been having a great day. You come and find out your wife and kids got kidnapped. All your stuff got stolen and they burned your entire town to the ground. That has the potential to make even a grown man cry. Right? That's a bad day right there. And so look what happens next. David's two wives Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. So they they weren't interested in this point in time at going and getting their stuff back. They wanted to kill David, the leader. But what happened? David found strength in the Lord his God. And I like the King James says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
Now, this is a mess right here. Not only David has lost everything, but all these people, they're blaming him. Do you see how in a moment of crisis, you begin to say and do stupid things, blame the wrong person? How is this David's fault? Did he come in and steal all their stuff and his own stuff and kidnap his own kids and their kids and burn their houses down and then his own house? No, he didn't do that. But when you are in a crisis situation and you don't respond from within your spirit, your born again spirit, you'll begin, you'll just start blaming whoever you can blame, right? God, God why'd you do this? Or, 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 or he did this or, or David, we're going to kill you for letting this happen to us. David was not responsible for this. But here he was in a bad spot. Everybody had lost everything and they're blaming him. That's a bad spot to be in right there. And so David, where did he turn to? Did he say, well, maybe if I go back over to Jerusalem, they'll still like me. Or, or well, I, I've, got, I've got a hidden account over here in this area. And did David turn to extra money somewhere? Did they, what did David turn to? David found strength in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. And sometimes all you've got is you and God. But thank God that's enough. That's all you need. I don't need a thousand people to join up with me on the internet. I don't need, I don't need, uh, you know, I, I, that's fine. It's, man, it's nice to have support. I like it. But it's okay if I don't have it. Because I've got me and God. And if I've got God on my side, that instantly counts as a billion of, a zillion, infinity. That automatically puts me in the majority. If a million are against me, but it's me and God, I still have the upper hand. I'm still in the majority. Do you realize that? Like, well, nobody likes me. Well, that's probably a lie in the first place. It's probably a lie. But if you want to go ahead and take that route, by all means, believe that. But at the same time, if they don't like you, that's quite all right. Because God does like you. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you, according to Romans chapter 8? Amen? And so they are in a mess here. Everybody's turning on David and, and, and they're like, well, what are we going to do? But the good thing is this. David's not a little sissy. David's not a little snowflake that melts down when things don't go his way. David's a fighter. And if you take something from David, you better believe that he's coming at you. Guns a blazing. Both barrels. Every ounce of firepower that he has is coming to get his stuff back. And so they're all crying and weeping, and, and David gathers the men like, okay, let's get it together. So he finally gets the men back in fight mode. They go out, and they're going to find who it was that did this. Well, here they go. They're, they're out there, and, uh, and of course it was the Amalekites that did it. They find this Egyptian man out in the middle of the desert. Well, it turns out he had been one of their slaves, and they, he, he became sick, and so they're like, well, you're no good to us, we'll just leave you out here to die. Well, Bad for them, he didn't die. And David found him, and this guy wanted revenge on the Amalekites for leaving him to die. And he said, I'll tell you exactly where they're at. I will lead you there myself, because I cannot wait to see you lay the smack down on these guys, because they left me in the desert, right? And it went something like that. That's not an exact quote, but it was something along those lines. 
So here we are. Verse, skip down here to verse 16. And so you've got all of these, you got David and his men, you've got an angry Egyptian, and they're getting ready to get some revenge. Verse 16, so he led David to them. Yes, he did. And they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. And so David rolls up and they're out there eating his food, watching his TV and play, you know, whatever the case is, they're just enjoying all of his stuff. And David rolls up. That would just tick you straight off, wouldn't it? You roll up and they're out there dancing and parading and acting like hooligans and eating your food. They've got your wives and your kids and all this. And I mean, this this is just this is it. It's getting ready to get real. And so they're out there eating and dancing with joy. Verse 17, David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. We're talking about like 24 hours of pure slaughter right here. Now, I mean, you know, that may be a little graphic for some of you, but if you like action movies, this means a lot to you right now. Okay. And so we're talking about and they didn't even wait. They didn't like, we better get a plan to sneak up on them. They see them eating their food and, and, and playing with their stuff. They rush in there and they just, they go to town. And said all day, all night, until the next night, they were just beating these guys, slaughtering and getting their stuff back. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. Everything. He didn't, there wasn't one thing that he did not get back. Don't be content with just letting them, well, I, I got this back, I'll just let them have the rest of it. Nope. Nope. I want all of it. Everything the enemy took from me, I'm not content with letting him keep one penny. I'm not content with letting him have one more day of my joy. I'm not content with letting him have one more ounce of what God gave me. I want Every last drop and I will get it back. And that's what David did. He got everything back. He got his wives back. Verse 19, nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Can somebody say everything? David brought everything back. And so what is it in your life? That the enemy has come and either successfully stolen from you or he's made a really hard attempt to steal it. Maybe you're right now, the enemy is in your life trying to steal something from you. Maybe a son or a daughter. Maybe, maybe he's trying to come and just wrestle the joy and the peace right out of your heart. Maybe he's in here trying to come in and, 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 and attack your finances, your health, whatever it is. Well, I know, but I don't think I, David got everything back. Every single thing. He got it back. Why? Because he found out who took it and he chased them down. And I'm telling you tonight, I found out who took my stuff. I'm chasing them down. Now, I don't know about you. Have you found out who it was that came in and tried to steal your family? Who came in and tried to steal your stuff? If you've identified the thief, get up and go chase him. Go get your stuff back. Well, how do I do that? Man, you hit your knees in prayer. You open your Bible. You get your behind in church. You start fighting the good fight of faith. 
It tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Well, what's a good fight? One that you win. I don't care. I mean, I'm not one of those guys that if I'm watching, you know, I don't watch UFC and boxing. I'm not against it. I just, I'm not into it. But if I was sitting there and, and I was rooting for a certain guy and I mean, he went 15 rounds but then lost. I'm not the guy. Well, that sure was a good fight. No, my dude lost. It was a bad fight. A good fight is the fight that you win. And you were told, you get out there and you fight the good fight of faith. You can do it because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now you can't, well, I can do all things through me who gives me my own strength if I just believe in myself. And I'm, that's stupid. That is dumb. Well, you can do anything you put your mind to. No, you can't. Put your mind to cancer. Go ahead. Nope. You cannot do anything that you just put your mind to. I found a lot of things that I put my mind to and couldn't do them. But there's not been one thing in my life that I have not conquered when I did it through Christ who gives me strength. Not a thing. Being cancer, you know my story. Leukemia, drilled that, nailed it, won. My dad, cancer, beat that, won. I'm telling you, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But the problem is a lot of us, we're relying on ourselves to give us strength. And you can do some things. You put your mind to some stuff. The human mind is incredible. The human willpower is incredible. There's a lot of things that it can accomplish. But it eventually runs into something that it, it can't accomplish. It eventually runs into a problem that's stronger than they are. A problem that's, that their intelligence just can't get uh, through. Whatever the case is, you better realize you need Jesus. And until you fully start relying on Him... There's going to be a lot of battles that you just flat out do not win. And there's going to be a lot of stuff gets stolen from you that you'll never get back until you submit to Jesus and start doing it his way. Well, I am doing it his way. We say that a lot of times, but I found a lot of times we're really not. Because it's the right thing to say. Of course, I'm doing it God's way. Uh, examine your life. That's all I'm saying, because sometimes we think we are. But upon further review you realize, well, no, you were really doing that in your own. You you came up with a plan in your own mind and tried to execute that, and God wasn't involved in that at all. You were trying to fix your problems your way and just, you know, give God a shout-out every now and then. Hey, God, you still there? I'm still here. Love you. And that's that's not doing it God's way. I'm just saying, I don't know you. Examine your own situation, but make sure that you really are. Doing it God's way. And the third thing I'm going to say is this. So, number one, you need to identify the thief. Number two, you need to go get your stuff. But I'm not just content with getting my stuff back. What do I want? I'm going to make him pay interest. Yeah. I'm going to make him pay interest for ever messing with me and my family in the first place. You're going to pay for it. And you're like, well, that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty hardcore. The Bible is a hardcore book if you actually read it. And so I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make the thief pay interest for ever messing with me in the first place. Let's look at Job chapter 42. Now, the book of Job is an interesting book. Uh, and most people that I talk to have a kind of a weird perspective on it. They, you know, most people read it when they're going through a, a really hard time. Like, well, see, God did all these bad things to Job. So, 
Well, if you read uh, right in the very beginning, it tells you that God didn't do those things to Job. The enemy came in and had access to Job's life, and the enemy stole a lot of things from him. And it, it, it's a difficult thing to read. But the, the, the crazy part is, is that Job is an awesome book, especially if you read the very last chapter. Most people, when their life is in the pits, well, I'm like Job. You, you identify with the bad part of Job's life. I identify with Job in chapter 42. You can have the other 41 chapters. Those are all you. But listen to me. I'm a Job 42 guy, where the story gets really good. And so Job chapter 42 and verse 10. And so look at this. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. He got all his stuff back. But look at this. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Why does nobody read this? Why does nobody identify with that part of Job? That's the Job that I identify with. The Lord restored my fortunes. And on top of that, he gave me twice as much as I had before. That's good news right there. And so, yeah, Job was stolen from. Bad things happened to him all throughout the whole part of that book. But when Job repented, when Job prayed for his friends, when Job turned things around, it got really really good and God got all of his stuff back to him and he got twice as much as before what do we call that I call that interest I'm making the enemy pay interest I'm getting double for my trouble and that's what happened to Job right there and so you can read the whole book you should but for for the love of everything don't forget the last chapter don't forget what really happened to Job now, here's the thing about Job. He, he started off a rich guy. He lost a lot of money, land, cattle, and everything else. But he also, he had had loved ones and relationships stolen out of his life. And maybe, I'm, again, I'm talking about tonight, I'm not just talking about money or, or your healing or what, I'm talking about anything the devil has stolen out of your life. Maybe you've had people or relationships stolen. Guess what? God can restore that too. I don't know, man. Yes, He can. With God, all things are possible. You think that means all things except bringing a loved one back? Restoring a relationship that's been hurt? That's been stolen from you? You think that God can't do that? That's a lie. God can do anything. And with God, all things are possible. And I'm telling you right now, on top of that, you can restore things and you can make the enemy pay interest. And God bless you double for the trouble that you went through. And if you don't believe me, that's fine. You believe what you want to believe. But I believe in getting interest on things that have been stolen from me. You believe what you want to believe. But I believe in making the enemy pay interest for ever messing with me. Isaiah chapter 49 now, I'm going to shotgun several verses here, so write them down or keep up with me. Isaiah 49 and verse 18, and I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49, and we're going to look here at verse 18. We're talking about making the thief give your stuff back and pay interest on it. Isaiah 49 verse 18. But this verse is in reference to your family. Because if there's one thing I can't stand, I can't stand to see the enemy, the thief come in and rock a family apart. I don't like that. That makes me angry. 
And look at this, Isaiah 49, verse 18. I love this. It says, look around you and see, for all your children will come back to you. I like that. My children didn't even go anywhere. But I like that. It says this, look around you and see, for all your children will come back to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. Not only will God bring them back to you, but you're going to be proud. You're not going to, it's not going to be a shameful thing. They will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. That's, that's a good verse right there. I don't, uh, it excites me. I don't know about that excites me right there that my children are not going to be stolen from me by some thief, the devil. He cannot have them. And if he even did try, oh, we'd chase him down and we'd get interest on that. We would make him pay double. Chapter 61, verse 7. Isaiah 61, verse 7. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. It says this, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. Can somebody say double share? Now, I know you can't tell, but I'm a guy that likes the double share, right? And, you know, we've been joking, but a bunch of us, some of us dudes are going to go eat all you can eat lobster and steak this week at a buffet. And I'm telling you, when I go to pay that for a buffet, I'm not going through that line one time. You better believe Pastor Dave is going to get the double share that night. You know what I mean? Double share. And I'm telling you right now, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Who wants everlasting joy? Come on. If you've ever been in the situation of depression or the blues or anxiety, I'm telling you what, man. God has everlasting joy for you if we do it his way here's the verse zechariah chapter 9 now maybe you don't know where that's at so we'll read it if you don't get there quick zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12 i'm just gonna have her put this on the screen right now zechariah 9 12 it says this come back to the place of safety all you prisoners who still have hope is there anybody in here tonight that you still have hope that does not sound convincing. Is there somebody that uh, the devil may have got a few shots in, but you still got hope? There's still hope. You're good to go if you still got hope. But look at this. All you prisoners who still have hope, I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. I like two. I like two. And if the devil came and gave me trouble, guess what? Bad news for him. Now he's going to pay me back. Twice, double portion, double blessing, two blessings for each of your troubles. That's what the Lord's saying for you tonight. And so just like Job, the devil took one. Now he's got to give me two. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to close it out with one incredible verse. Proverbs chapter six and verse thirty one. Proverbs six, verse thirty one. Because it's good to get, you know, get your stuff back or most of it. That's cool. It's really cool to get double back what was stolen. But why stop there? What if we could get even more back from the thief than just double? You mean there's more? There's more. Just wait. There's more. If you call now, 
Oh, sorry. All right. Sorry. Sell you a blessing cloth from Israel right now. No, no, I'm kidding. Kidding, kidding. Time. All right. Proverbs 6, verse 31, and the New King James, this is talking about a thief. It says, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. This is talking about a thief, but I'm talking about the thief tonight. When you track him, when you get, when you catch up, I'm, it's good to get double for your trouble, but I'm telling you right now, it says when he, when that thief is found, he must restore sevenfold what was stolen. <clears throat> that's exciting right there, man. That's good news. If you're a person that's ever had something stolen and taken away from you that God had put into your life in the first place, for you to realize that, oh, there's hope. It ain't over yet. There is Hope, and on top of that, God says, I'll give you back double, but it says right here, on top of that, to take it even further, you catch that thief, and he must return and restore sevenfold. Well, I'm just going to lay this out here for you tonight as we kind of wind things down. Listen to me, and listen to me good. What is it that the enemy has tried to come in and take from your life? Only you can answer that. I don't know what it is for you. But I guarantee you that there's something that the enemy has tried to come in and steal from you. Maybe you aren't where you were spiritually and in your faith walk six months ago, a year ago. Maybe the devil came in and you and you let him. You, you know, we can't. I'm not blaming this all on him. But maybe there has been some of your spiritual walk with God. You've lost some ground spiritually speaking. Well, we could sit here and cry about it. We could hear, sit here and say, how did I let this happen? I, stupid, stupid, stupid. You could do that. Or you could say, you know what? Get up. I'm going back. I'm not even, I'm not just going back to where I was. I'm going seven times further than where I was. The devil thought it was bad when I read one chapter a day. Try seven chapters a day. The devil thought it was bad when I, when, when I would, when I would go pray for one person. Now I'm going to pray for seven people a day. The devil thought it was bad when I gave one dollar. Now I'll give seven. The devil thought it was bad when he came in and I, th- listen to me. Whatever it is that you've lost in this life, you could sit there and cry or you could be like David and say, no. Not the devil. You could get up and you could chase that sucker down and you could get your stuff back. And I don't know about you, but I'm saying I want my stuff back and I am going to get it. And I am making him pay interest and he will restore sevenfold on what was stolen from this household. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's go ahead and let's stand up together. Let's stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.